0: We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. Times. Yeah, uh, not only we're we doing it again, but I'm doing it again on my birthday. Well, actually the day after my birthday. Um, I spent most of my birthday, not most, I spent an hour uh, of my birthday uh, looking for a birthday present for Miriam's birthday. My lovely wife, Miriam. Uh, yeah, she, uh, she her birthday is the first week of November. And um, it's a landmark for her. And uh, I wanted to get her something nice and expensive. And I wanted to pick uh, the right one. Um, so I spent a bunch of time doing that. So uh, today is October 20th, the day after my birthday. And we're gonna do this here. looks too sad. So I tried a little Freddy. Oh, there, in the background, in the foreground, now in the background, is Mika, Micah, I don't know, it's M-I-K-A, and, you know, uh, for those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while, you know I love it when somebody just wholesale rips off somebody else's style. Uh, so this guy, uh, so we, we heard it uh, before with... Uh, Greta Van Fleet doing their best Led Zeppelin imp- uh, uh, impression or uh, uh, what is that a tribute or a homage if you will if you want to French it up but this guy's really doing um, his Queen tribute here, and you even heard it. He knows it, right? Like, he, he in that line that we just heard, he says, I give you a little Freddy. Yeah, a little Freddie Mercury. And not just a little. Dude, you're giving us a lot. So this song is actually a few years old. I think it's like 2012 or something like that. Uh, but I saw Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell doing their version of this song on, like, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And I was like, what? I, I don't know this song. Okay, and then I looked him up, and he's got, like, I don't know, five, six, seven albums. Uh, and I bought this whole one, and it's it's good. Uh, I, I mean, look, if you, if you like Queen, you're going to like this. Okay, so let's start this episode with the depressing. Not depressing, eh, but bummer. It's just a general bummer, right? So I have been working this job for two and a half years uh, and when it started, it was fine, right? It wasn't great, Uh, you know, I I was in an office um, sitting next to a guy who was hired on the same day as me And I learned that he, it was, it it came down to either him or me. And, uh, and so he, so for whatever reason, we both uh, got hired. And then everything changed and I got put on a different team. And then I started working on call shifts and which I fucking hate. And then it just got worse. And then... Uh, what would that be? Like a couple of days ago? Um, no, Thursday. It was Thursday. Uh, today is Wednesday. Uh, so Thursday, uh, I get a I get a meeting put on my calendar with my manager and our director about how I'm not hassling. Uh, engineering enough to fix the things that I have told them needed to be fixed. And um, he just kept saying over and over again that it really wasn't about engineering fixing the thing. It was about us proving that we were doing our part to harass engineering to fix the thing right okay all right that's fine i guess i mean it's a, it's 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 a little not what i was hoping for right like i really hope that this was about fixing the issue but that's not what it's about it's about just covering our butts and making it look like we're doing something okay well that's kind of shitty but all right and then <laughs> and this is the good part the director tells me this very long story about an ex-employee who used to work there, who was very bad at doing this, and then they fired him. And I'm like, okay. Um, so now the whole so now the whole thing just becomes, oh, they want to fire me. I see. Okay, so I have zero value to this company, other than the fact that I. Like, my whole job to them is being some sort of robot that, you know, clicks, you know, or types a sentence in a JIRA ticket to engineering saying, Hey, what's the status update on this issue? Send, go back into our support ticketing system. What is, uh, I asked engineering what the update on this issue was, send, right? Like that to me is my entire value to them Um, because if it wasn't, then they wouldn't fire me over this. Right? Like if I had more value to give it would be because I know certain systems better than anybody. I know things that people come to me three, four times a day asking me questions because they don't know this, they don't know this system. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. And I know it, and I know it very, you know, 90% of the time, super quick, I can give them an answer. It says like, no, it's this, or it's that, or this is the answer to that, or whatever. Apparently, that means nothing. So they're going to fire me over the fact that I'm just not hassling engineering enough, which, by the way, hey, engineering, do your fucking job and fix this shit, right? Just fix it. (sighs) Sorry, sorry, didn't mean to yell at you. It's not your fault. Just, uh... You know, this is another big thing I have. And, and look, it's not just this job, it's every job, right? Every job, I'm screaming about how engineering uh, does not want to fix bugs. And look, I don't blame them, fixing bugs sucks. It's not fun at all. But we will lose more customers by not fixing bugs way faster than if a feature is delayed for a little bit. But the joke's on them because I have a job interview next week with a very big company and if they like me, then I am leaving them behind. And God, I hope they like me. Um, yeah. Because if they don't, ugh, that that is going to be soul crushing. Ugh, ugh. I don't even want to think about that. Oh, God, that sucks. All right. Well, let's... I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff, uh, so let's just get into it. We the we know, would we have somewhere to go? The only way is down, I can see that now, cause I don't care if I ever you. All right, so you. you'll, you'll notice now we have broken through the 100 episode barrier. Uh, and uh, should I, would I do something special for that? No. But, you know, I mean, look, I, it's, it's not like I have a team of people. It's not like I have a massive audience, you know. It's just like, yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. I made it to 100 episodes. Who, who knew? Of course, it took me, I don't know, five, six years m- more, maybe? Probably more. Probably more like nine. Probably, no, yeah. So if I did like 10 a year, that would make sense, right? Uh, because that's, uh, like, one a month, which is kind of what I usually do. So, okay, 100 episodes. Well, just here's to you, 100 episodes. Uh, I never thought I'd see ya. Actually, I did, because, you know, eh. I mean, this is the thing with me, right? Like, I'm never fast at anything. I just keep going. Like, my persistence is my ability. Uh, it's not speed. It's not doing something amazing, it's just soldiering on. Just like the animations I am doing uh, about the My Brother, My Mother and Me podcast, right? None of them are great, but I just keep plodding along making new ones. And I'll get a new subscriber, you know, every now and then. I I certainly don't have enough to monetize uh, anything, but that's okay, you know, just keep plodding along. Okay, so um, just recently, uh, maybe two, three weeks ago, I um, I had stopped drinking, and I was looking for something to, you know, recreationally take the edge off. And a long time ago, I had purchased a um, sort of a pen vaporizer uh, that you put weed in, right? So it's not a nicotine vape, but it's a it's a weed vape pen. And I, that, that pen is such a pain in the ass, because the weed goop that they give you to put in it is super, super sticky. And so I had managed to kind of fuse the cartridge together that you're supposed to unfurl to get the goop in there. And so I was just like, what a pain in the ass. And so I was, you know, thinking like, oh, maybe I'll hit that pen or something and try to take the edge off. And I, I, I tried to open the pen and of course I couldn't do it. So I was just like, ah, that's fine. I'll just eat the stuff, the goop that you put in the pen. Okay, A, don't do that, right? Don't take something that is meant to be diluted and just eat it wholesale, right? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's a reason they tell you, you know, there's a reason why it's supposed to be vaporized and then inhaled and all these, and, and, and consumed in such tiny bits because we were watching Ted Lasso and I could feel that I had taken too much, right? Like I had been good for like the first hour of this high. I was having a grand old time. But then, <laughs> and it was kind of like, I mean, it was, it was, I knew what it was, right? It was just like uh, in previous episodes of this podcast, I've talked about THC overdosing and what that feels like. So I knew what this was. And like my hearing is closing up and everything just got painfully bright. Just super, super bright. Like it hurt my head. Everything was so bright. And then, when I came to, uh, uh, Miriam was on the phone with 911, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And then I just looked at. I couldn't. I could. I looked at the phone, and I could. I was having trouble figuring out even what was going on, because it didn't say like 911 on it or anything. It just. It was obvious she was on the phone. And she was, you know, obviously visibly distressed, as you would if the person you had just been sitting watching TV with was now sort of passed out, slumped over, you know. Um, and I just looked at her and I went, too much THC. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah. And then I told her, like, yeah, it's, it's fine. I know what this is. It's just too much THC. So... I guess the moral of the story is, folks, don't do that, right? Like, don't, just don't. And I, I had to throw all that shit out because we, we, apparently weed is not for me. So another thing I can't do. <laughs> all right. So I can't remember if I talked about the movie Kate on here. Um, The movie Kate is good. I would recommend it. Uh, It is essentially Lady John Wick, right? So it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, whom you might remember from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus, uh, no, the universe versus, eh, just Scott Pilgrim. Eh, it's fine. Look, we're friends here. Right. You're not going to bust my nuts because I can't remember Scott Pilgrim versus a bag of peanuts, you know, whoever. Uh, she is uh, in Japan, uh, and she works for Woody Harrelson, and she's an assassin, and then shit goes wrong, and she's going to get revenge, right? So it's very, very John Wick-ish you know, where someone is wronged and then they have to get revenge and, you know, it's just not a dog this time. It's some other thing and I don't wanna ruin it. It's uh, streaming on Netflix now. I highly recommend it. Um, The first 45, 50 minutes of it is, you know, very John Wicky, and not that there's anything wrong with it but it's also kind of like, I, I feel like I've sort of seen this before even though now it's in Japan as opposed to, I don't know, Ohio or wherever John Wick takes place. And it's sort of weird, right? Because John Wick sort of did the revenge movie, right? And it's, once you've done it, it kind of just feels like you're doing an imitation of that. And I know, look, I began this episode saying how much I love imitation uh, but i don't know there's something about it when you see it in movies that it's just sort of like oh we're doing this again okay and maybe because with movies it is such an investment like you know music you can just put it on in the background you can do whatever you can cook dinner you know where the movie it's like no you gotta sit down and you gotta watch it um uh, well, at least that's the way I do it. I, you know, some of these people you hear about, like, oh, I come home, I put on Friends, and then I just wander around the apartment with friends in the background. Maybe they, I guess, to them, like, friends is music and comforting. Um, but I don't. I get no comfort listening to Ross and Rachel bitch about their relationship or whatever. You know, I, it, I don't know. So anyway, so it's just weird that that it feels like now that john wick has happened i just don't want to see another revenge movie until the last half hour of kate and then they do something uh that's really something i have not seen before um and so if you want to see something unique then i would definitely watch kate and I, you can't just jump to the end, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. So you do have to watch the whole thing. Um... Uh, But look, you know, the action is good. The fighting is good. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is very believable as an action star. She was in um, Birds of Prey or the uh, uh, Emulsification. No, Emancipation. That's the word. Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Ooh, by the way, there's a third season of the Harley Quinn animated series coming on HBO. And I am very excited for that because those first two seasons are perfect. Really, really funny, really good, and a great buddy comedy series starring two women. So, very excited for that. But go watch yourself some Kate. It's good. Okay, so I... I read this story online. Um, There's a, 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 I can't remember her name. I can't remember which movie or TV show this took place on. But this actress, oops. uh, This actress um, shows up on set to work in a movie or a TV show or whatever with Marlon Wayans. And you know, Marlon Wayans, he's a goofball, right? One of the Wayans brothers. He's wacky, he's zany. And she looks at his crotch because she cannot help but notice he has taken one of those child's baseball bats and shoved it down his pants, right? Like, you know, those baseball bats are, you know, 10, 11 inches long. Uh, And, you know, she's like, hey, this guy's funny. This guy's wacky. He put a kid's baseball bat in his pants and he wants me to look at it. And then she keeps looking at it, and she's noticing that it's moving around in a way that a stiff wooden object wouldn't, like it's got some bending going on there. And then she's like, huh, is that his dick? Am I looking at his dick? And then she continues to look at it. Now she's gotten into this loop that we've all done, right? Not about dicks necessarily, necessarily, but about that thing where you think you see a thing and then you're not sure it's the thing, but then now you're obsessed of trying to figure out if it is the thing, so you just keep staring at the thing. And then, and then, and then you realize that everybody else notices you staring at the dick because they've all gone through this themselves. They've all done the thing where they look at the dick and they can't they're not sure if it's a dick maybe it's a dick and then they see you looking at the dick and then she says in the interview oh yeah and then everybody r- around me is like oh yeah she's seen it which is also crazy to be like like it's one thing to be confronted with the big dick but another to be re- to to be outed to be to to for others to realize that you are looking at a big dick, that's also weird. Now, look, there is comfort in knowing that we've all been there, right? They everybody on that set has gone through that, and the night and they were very cool about it, right? Except uh, I don't think Marlon mentioned anything, but uh, everybody on set was like, Yes, you are not seeing things, that is his dick. There you go. So uh, if this ever happens to you, hopefully everybody else will be cool about you staring at a thing that you're not sure if it is a thing or not. Smile like you mean it and let yourself let go. So, in the world, in the art world, um, so there was a story uh, about a guy who. Um, he, uh, he Danish or Swiss or something, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, the, I think it was the government of the country he was in offered him $84,000 to create artwork, uh, d- sort of demonstrating the wealth pay gap between, you know, the super rich and the super poor. So he, <laughs> sent them back the artwork. The artwork happened to be two blank canvases, and the title of the piece was called Take the Money and Run. Now, (laughs) this is really interesting because it sort of makes you wonder what is art, right? Like, is art supposed to be, I made a thing? Is it supposed to be, I paint, I put a, a paint on a canvas and I moved it around until it made it look like a thing? Or is it supposed to be something that generates conversation? Is it is it supposed to elicit a response? Because I'll tell you, those two blank canvases, got me thinking right like I thought a lot about this art and I I couldn't wait to tell people we had conversations about it honestly man I, I think it did its job right if, if it is if it was to inspire uh dialogue around the issue of the wealth pay gap well it certainly uh you know, uh, offered... Uh, it, 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 it did inspire conversation about something. I don't know if it was the intended topic, but it was something, all right. To the world you thought you lived in, take a Okay, so now I... For those of you who did more research on the story, they, the, the $84,000 was actually... Um, what they were saying, they, uh, the maximum they would pay for material costs. It wasn't actually the price of the commissioned artwork. The price of the commissioned artwork was much less, like 10 grand or something like that. But I, it, it seems weird that they would just give him $84,000 and then say, give us back the money you didn't spend? That seems weird. I would think, at the very least, you would have to submit an estimate or something that's like, my artwork will be this, and the materials will cost this, and here is the quote that I got from these vendors. So, I don't know. The whole thing seems very weird. Um, but, either way, it's cool, man. Took it to dog and cautionary wife. Okay, so I watched disney's soul again um i i had screamed about this previously uh because of how they lead you down this path of like we think this guy should do this thing even though he says his passion in life is this other thing yeah don't do that do this other thing and then when we get to the end and then they're like hey man what do you want to do he's like i don't know and you're like come on dude they've been guiding you down this path to do this thing this thing that you uh, clearly like doing that you're good at you're super good at do that thing not the other thing which you are have been disillusioned by that you thought you wanted to do but you don't anyway so an- more stuff more stuff that bothers me about soul um it makes me believe that the people who wrote the script for soul has never played jazz in their life right obviously the people who did the score for soul play jazz they play it very well but they didn't write the script right it's not like uh, yeah, it's not like that, right? It's so—it's a, a room full of people, if you watch any behind the scenes, and it, thank God, like, one of the writers was African American, so at least you get that perspective, you know, correctly, uh, and it's not just me going like, well, hmm, uh, what would a not-white person do here? Um... I've seen a thing about a thing, and yes, I, I believe they would do that, right? Like, it's not that, but they clearly have never played jazz, and the way you can tell they've never played jazz is because um, the one of the key points of the movie is uh, our main character, Joe, uh, has a chance to play piano with one of his Uh, 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 favorite jazz performers. Uh, He's uh, I think it's a quartet right yes it's quartet and um, he's going to play piano so he goes to audition and then he, uh, he he passes the audition and then the woman who runs the quartet says great I'll see you back here at four or seven or whatever for the gig that night. Now, <laughs> I think that the people who wrote this movie think that jazz is 100% improvised. It is not, right? You, If you ever played any amount of jazz, which I have, uh, San Francisco State, where I went to school, actually had a really good jazz program. And uh, our uh, teacher Dee Spencer, uh, I took the jazz improv class twice, maybe three times. I can't remember. Uh, And it's a great class and Dee was fantastic. And I think about her um, every now and then and I hope she's happy and still alive and probably a thousand years old because I graduated college in 1994 and a lot has happened since then and she, I, she seemed young then, but, you know, it has been, what, 30 years or clo- not quite 30 years, but coming up there. So uh, that's number one, right? Because even, even though in D. Spencer's uh, jazz improv class, there was a structure, A, number one. There were chord changes that we were all following, and there's a melody, what we called the head. So the way that it would go is you would play the head, uh, and then there would be a break in the middle where everybody would go around the room and take a solo. And then once we were coming to the last person solo, Dee Spencer, who was usually playing along with us, would point to her head, meaning we're gonna go back to the top and play the head again. And then we would play the head again, again, all, the chord changes, melodies, everything scripted out, right? Like charted that we all had. So the reason I bring all of this up because they're at no point in this movie when she says, hey, teach, because that's what she calls him in the movie. She says, hey, teach, I'll see you back here at seven. There's no mention of, oh my God, what's the set? What songs are we playing? I got to go learn these charts. I got to learn all this stuff. Um, none of that, right? And uh, it's, it's very strange that that, that sentence, that one sentence is never uttered. The other thing that's very weird is that when, when, when Joe, the teacher, is teaching his students jazz, there is a girl that uh, is really good at playing the trombone and she does this trombone solo and then that's her getting lost in the zone and and she there's a big part of this movie that's being in the zone and she gets there and it's it's a good solo right so m- maybe somebody who wrote this movie has heard a jazz solo before but then anytime joe who is a piano player goes into the zone He's just doing da 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 da, and it's just a it's just an arpeggiated chord over and over and over again, and it's not a solo. It's not that's not a jazz solo. That's not a keyboard solo. That's not a piano solo. That's just da 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 da. I mean, it's it's hypnotic, but it's not really what I would call you know being in the zone. Uh, so, yes, but. All of that being said, I did enjoy the movie more the second time. There were jokes in there that I had missed. Um, One of them that's really great is um, Joe's mom runs an uh, alteration store, you know, dry cleaner alterations. And Joe is arguing with his mom, but his mom is also pinning uh, a jacket uh because it needs to be taken in on a on a woman who is there and every time Joe makes her mad she sticks the woman with a pin and then um when the mom says well Joe are you going to take the job and and the woman with who has been stuck like four or five times now is just like please please take the job tell her you will take the job which was a great joke um oh but Beyond that, um, uh, I've got one more song left to go. Uh, I will tell you in um, for uh, other recommendations of things. uh, So Soul is on Disney Plus. So if you have Disney Plus, I really like they they do a whole thing of uh, shorts. Apparently, people at Pixar in the pandemic are just allowed to do whatever they want because you know they they're just stuck at home. They're trapped at home and they've got their computers, which is, you know, essentially what they would be doing if they were in the office. They just can't rely on dialogue. And they certainly can't rely on professional voiceover talent dialogue. So they just do a whole series of these shorts uh, uh, that are largely dialogue-free. They're not silent. They have sound effects and stuff, but... Yeah, they're dialogue-free, and um, they're really neat. Um, Oh, also, on Hulu, I am really enjoying Only Murders in the Building. It is not as funny as you would want from a Steve Martin and a Martin Short collaboration, uh, but it's a a murder mystery, and the mystery in it is very good, uh, and I'm enjoying that quite a bit. So, uh, there's two recommendations. Oh, yeah, and then... There's um, uh, a Japanese anime Star Wars seri- series called Star Wars Visions. Um, that thing is super hit and miss because each episode is done by a different animation studio, and so some of them are good and some of them are like watching a kids show. And I'm like, boy, howdy, I don't, I don't want. I mean, this is why I don't watch, you know, Star Wars Rebels or any of those other kids' uh, Star Wars shows because I just don't want, like, a kid's show. I don't want, you know, uh, what was that, Um, the, the Ewoks... Adventures, right? Like I don't want that, Uh, and and but there are a couple of episodes in the Star Wars Visions, uh, especially that first one. If you have Disney Plus, just watch that first one. Oh my gosh! And if you have Disney Plus, watch Black Widow. It's really great. You know, this is the Scarlett Johansson movie. Uh, where she reprises her character from all the Avengers movies. And I don't know if they will ever do another one because she sued them for releasing it on the streaming service at the same time it was supposed to be in the theaters and she was gonna get a payday if it met certain benchmarks in terms of box office gross. And so she sued them because there was no conversation about whether or not it would hit the streaming service. Day and date that it hit the theaters. So, who knows? Disney has a history of being um, petty, shall we say. So, um, maybe they might uh, not want to do, they might not want to be in the Scarlett Johansson business, business anymore, because beauty is my business. Okay, well, as we come to the end of Micah's tribute to Queen and, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Freddie Mercury. Uh, Let me just say, from me, from the music of Micah, Mika, Mocha, and the music of Bright Brown. We did 100, so let's do 100 more. Till then!